You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that for the last century, scientists have been documenting the effects of lead on your body. And today, each year in the U.S., lead in drinking water contributes to, get this, 480,000 cases of learning disorders in kids and 560,000 cases of high blood pressure in adult men, and likely a similar number in women. Uh, that is not small stuff. You have people telling you to eat less salt, but drink more lead. Like, like why are we not paying attention to things like this? It, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And as you might have guessed, the odds are we're going to be talking about that on the show today. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's guest is someone that you've probably heard of, at least if you use the internet. Uh, that means uh, we're talking about none other than Mike Adams from Natural News. Mike is an incredible guy because he stood up one day and said, you know what, I'm done with the lies of big food. I'm going to break them. 
So he started a big lab. In fact, if you're watching on YouTube, you look behind him. He's actually sitting in his analytical lab. It looks very similar to the types of labs that, uh, that we use during the R&D part and the testing part uh, when I'm making Bulletproof Coffee and the other Bulletproof products. That's actually like really what they look like. So I know just, uh, in fact, I know for certain that it's not a set because I just saw a guy in a mask and a gown uh, walk past <laughs> the back of the set. So what Mike did is is he took what he was doing in, in Austin, Texas as an, uh, as an entrepreneur and said, I'm going to invest in finding out what's really in food and most interestingly for today's interview, what's really in water. And I'm pretty shocked at what he's found. Uh, actually, that's not true. <laughs> I'm offended, but not shocked. There's a difference. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to join you, and I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share some of this information with your viewers and, and listeners. Walk me through your story. So you're, you're, I've been following your stuff for a while, and some of it's pretty controversial, which is fine. It's not like Bulletproof hasn't done anything controversial. What uh, what brought you from kind of the, the health ranger perspective and, and doing sort of information stuff and then going into analytical chemistry? Like, like, like that's very unusual. Why did you do that? Yeah, it, it is unusual. But it, if you get into food and clean food and nutrition and you start following the trail, it eventually leads to this kind of real hardcore scientific uh, analyzing of the superfoods, the dietary supplements, the organic versus conventional foods, you know, eventually you have to start peeling back the layers and looking at what's in these products. And there are many really great, highly nutritious, very clean products in the market. And I, you know, I don't want to be known as the guy that says you can't eat anything because it's all contaminated. That's not the case. There are great clean foods. And by the way, a, a lot of foods that are grown in America and Canada in particular and even the EU are very, very clean because of the environmental regulations. You know, it, it's, it's, the soils are cleaner. But there are also a lot of foods, particularly from Asia, China and India in particular, that have more contamination because of the pollution problem, particularly in China. Uh, a lot of people who are consuming superfoods and protein products in North America don't realize that those are actually grown and processed in places like China and that if you do test them in an analytical lab, you will find mercury, cadmium, lead, arsenic, other really problematic heavy metals, as well as chemicals. So I, I built this lab, and yeah, it's really a, a working lab, as, as you can see here. <laughs> Apart, we, don't, we can't just stop everything, you know, we have to keep, keep going on the analysis. But I built this lab so that we could really have kind of x-ray vision into all the foods, supplements, and superfoods, and then share that information with the public. So the nonprofit website where I share the data, if you'll let me plug this site, sure, commercial. Yeah. it's naturalsciencejournal.com, and that's where we publish data. Right now, we publish data for water tests. We've had volunteers all across America so far. We'll do Canada next. They've sent us water samples. We've tested them for heavy metals, and we've published the results on that website, Natural Science Journal. So that's, that's the short version of what we're doing. Well, it, it's amazing because... I've been uh, soundly yelled at uh, by people who like brown rice for saying, guys, there's 80 times more arsenic in brown rice and there's negligible nutrient value in, in the outer layer of the rice. Like, stop doing that. Like, arsenic is bad for you. Uh, in fact, it's worse for you than whatever benefits you might get from bloating and gas from eating the outer layer of the rice. 
so that's one of those things where when you quantify it and you look at, okay, all foods have positives and all foods have negatives. And just like you, it's not about, oh, you can't eat that or, or you know, don't eat anything. It's not safe or it might have toxins. Like, look, minimize the toxins, which would require knowing what's in there, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. One of the biggest challenges I have with educating people about this is explaining the concept of the, the, the orders of magnitude of concentrations. Yeah. You can find some level, some very tiny level, maybe parts per trillion mm-hmm. of lead in almost everything. But parts per trillion of lead is not toxic. But if you go a million times larger to parts per million, then and you start getting 10 parts per million or 100 parts per million, now we're talking about real toxicity. And the Flint, Michigan water supply had at some point, I think, over 100 parts per million lead. Now, the EPA limit is 15 parts per billion. Mm -hmm. And remember, a part per billion is a thousand times lower than a part per million. So we're talking about huge, you know, over a thousand times higher than the limit. And that's what people were drinking in their water. So, you know, I I, I look at foods, I look at arsenic in rice. I found just the other day, I was was analyzing some jasmine rice and I Mm -hmm. found an astonishing, I think it was 1,700 parts per billion of arsenic. That is non-trivial. Right. It, It really shocked me. I hadn't seen it that high before. So... Right now, I'm buying a lot of different brands of jasmine rice to test them and see if, if that's a pattern or if it's just a fluke. So the, the hard part here is looking at brands. And I mean, I, I run a brand, right? I'm obsessive about sourcing to the point that uh, coffee, like, like we have the plantations, we put in infrastructure to process the coffee in a certain way. I know damn well what's in that, and then I verify it with laboratory chemistry. Uh, but there are other things, like I wanted to do a maca thing to, to blend in. I looked at maca and did my mycotoxin testing. I didn't even do all the metal testing. I didn't get that far. And uh-huh. I was like, okay, this is a dried product, dried on a forest floor somewhere probably. And aflatoxin, which is like the most cancer-causing thing known to man, was like 13 parts per million, like very substantial amounts. I'm like, I'm not putting that in there. And that was a high-end supplier. But yeah. the next batch might have been just fine. And it's, right. that, it's that roulette perspective where like it's hard to say this brand is good or this brand is bad, all brands, uh, well, okay, many brands want to do good. <laughs> there are some where they're like, yeah. we just want to meet the, the, min, the, meet the whatever the EPA says is safe, therefore it's safe. Well, you know, safe is a bell curve, right? So if the EPA says 15 parts per billion on lead is safe, it was billion, not million, right? Just it was billion, sure. yeah, correct. Uh, in water, okay, that's because you drink a lot of water. Right. The, the problem is, that doesn't mean it's ideal, Right? No, not so, at all. What would you say to someone who's like, well, this water is tested safe by EPA or FDA or whatever standards. Uh, you know, it, it meets the minimum. Like, like what, what's, the, what's your take on that? Well, m- my experience from this, you know, I've been a clean food advocate for a very long time. Yeah. I've been a nutrition advocate. You know, I'm, I've been an activist. You know, I'm an, I'm yeah. an anti-GMO activist, uh, clean food activist, turned scientist. What I've learned in, in this is that personally today, I don't trust any company unless they are doing their own testing. So what you mentioned, when you're testing your coffee and you're testing your chocolate, that is actually more unusual than you might Oh, imagine. it's quite unusual. And it's hard to find suppliers it, on the chocolate because I, I don't own oh the whole my. supply chain there. <laughs> it, no, exactly. We're all in the same boat. So we have the same issue. You know, We have our own brand and our own store too. Yeah. So when we're looking at raw materials that come in and you know, cacao doesn't grow – 
in the United States of America or Canada, right? It yeah. comes from Africa or, or it comes from Peru or Ecuador. When the, when the cacao comes in, you know, you, you demand from the supplier, where's your certificate of analysis, right? Or certificate of organic authenticity and so on. We've had suppliers give us certificates from three years ago. Wow. And they think that that's going to pass. Now, they're, I think about 80% of the companies in this space don't do testing. And they take those certificates and they believe them. Whatever they say, they say, yeah, it must be. It must be true. That's the mistake. You're going to get burned because these suppliers are not doing the science. They're not doing the testing that they should be doing. And if you aren't doing your own due diligence as a manufacturer, as your own brand, then one day you're going to get burned <laughs> by some you know, contamination issue. It's going to shut you down. And that's, you know, we've seen it with other brands and it's, it's going to keep happening. It, it's important too because a lot, of, a lot of, especially younger health entrepreneurs don't understand, or I say food entrepreneurs don't understand what's going on here. If right. your name is on that package, you better have lab results with your name on them. If the lab results come from your manufacturer, they don't count. You, like, That's right. You still have liability. So I, I ran into all this stuff uh, when I was first doing this. Remember, I, I'm like a computer tech entrepreneur. I'm like, okay, this is my code. I wrote it. I know what's in there, right? You're, you're done. But when you're dealing with something relatively simple, uh, like a, a supplement, uh, if you have the name of your manufacturer on there because you're one of those like white labels, slap some labels on there and we're all happy, okay, fine. Uh, even then, if your name's on there, you need to do a secondary test. So I think it's cool that you have your... Uh, your own lab to do it because you're able to do it and your lab is certified. Uh, I, I do use a variety of third-party labs with certain tests that aren't legally required that are just part of our internal standard. Uh, but I don't think that that is the rule. Most of the, the food startups that I've seen don't have a QA department. They're like, oh yeah, we just no. like order some stuff from these other people. It comes in capsules and we put some stickers on it. And then it's like, you, you can see where it's going to end up when someone gets me- sick. You wouldn't let me tell you another layer of this that I've never talked about publicly before. This will blow your mind. Before we were ISO accredited, you know, now we're ISO accredited. And just explain what that means. Explain what that means for people listening. It, it's a two-year auditing and quality control process. And the international organization ISO, then after they test you and they audit you, they go on site, they they make sure you're proficient, they make sure you have all this these processes and quality control, then they they certify you. Most labs are not ISO accredited. And even before we were accredited, I was sending some samples out to other labs to confirm our findings. We use, for metals, we use instrument, an instrument called ICP-MS. It's a mass spec instrument. Mm-hmm. A lot of other labs use an instrument called ICP-OES, optical emissions spectroscopy. It's not nearly as accurate. And I had one lab that was accredited giving me back cadmium result data that was off by a factor of 10. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> this is plain wrong. It's totally wrong. And, and I had to correct them. And I wasn't even accredited yet. I said, guys, your lab, your, your cadmium's off. I know it's off because I, I got the calibration curves here. They got back to me two days later and said, yeah, you're right. We were off by a decimal point, you know, and we'll give you those tests for free. And I said, wait a minute. What about everybody else you've been testing? Yeah. Are you going to alert anybody that uh, all wow. the numbers were wrong? The answer was no. Okay. Guess what else is just as bad is human blood and urine testing. The labs produce wildly different results. And yeah. all of the, the anti-aging doctors I work with, they're like, oh, no, 
I work with this lab because I know about that. And like, like that's, I shouldn't say all of them, all of the, the top ones who are really getting the good results because they realize they can't even rely on lab data from there. So you yeah. know, kudos to you for building your own lab. That's, uh, that's not something that I've had the, the backing. Just it, It's not cheap to buy mass spectrometers and, and to staff and build. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, and you're doing it as, as a nonprofit too, which is really cool. Well, and so. the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm a, health, a healthy food consumer. I mean, I was right. showing you, this is my smoothie. This is my breakfast here nice. um, and my lunch. Um, avocados, coconut water, organic bananas that I grew myself, by the way. I grow nice. my own bananas in Texas. Um, I want clean food. Man, I, t- I tested my hair and my urine. But the first thing I did when I got this instrument, I started <laughs> testing my own body. That's awesome. <laughs> I was alarmed. I, I was blown away. As how, Why is my body so contaminated when I thought I was eating healthy? So I started to really, really clean up my own diet. And, and to do that, you know, you can't afford to pay some outside lab like oh, two hundred dollars yeah. a test. Oh yeah. You know, I go to a restaurant now and I, I take a, a vial, a tube, you know, <laughs> like one of these. I take a test tube, uh, centrifuge, and I, I collect food and I take it back and I test it, and then I only eat at the cleaner restaurants. I mean, I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a little obsessed with it. Yeah, are, but are that's you, my passion. Are you orthorexic? I've heard the term, but no, they say, what, it's a mental disorder if you're a clean food advocate? Give me a break. Uh, ex- exactly. So, well, th- there are people who like would have been anorexic and like, oh my God, I'm going to die if I eat something that might not be clean. And so I, I find that's used to dismiss people like, actually, I feel bad when I eat dirty food. And it's not a psychological condition. It's a mitochondrial condition. Like your mitochondrial respiration isn't working very yeah. well. So you add some heavy metals to it. You add some other toxins to it. Uh, and suddenly you feel crappy and like, I don't know, that seems like biochemistry to me, but it could be a mental disorder, but <laughs> you know, it's just, it's self-preservation. You might call it nutritional self-defense. Uh, you yes. know, I want to eat clean food. That's not a mental disorder. That's sanity. What's insane is people running around eating cadmium and drinking lead and eating pesticides and thinking they're healthy because the label says natural, which as you know, doesn't mean anything. You know, right now we could make up a name for the opposite of orthorexia, which is the thought that it's okay to walk around and like stuff a bunch of random crap in your body and then expect to feel good. There there has to be a name for that. Some sort of, uh, I don't know, like stupid rexia. I I don't know. Uh, yeah, but but right. it, it, you're exactly right. The, the normal thing is I want to eat food that makes me feel really good and doesn't have a a burden on it that my body has to deal with. And there's always some burden, but you want to minimize the burden because amazingly, like you'll live longer, which is kind of the point. Well, that's the thing. You you can't escape toxicity completely mm-hmm. in this world because the world is toxic. But you can escape ninety nine point nine percent of it. And, and we have a liver and kidneys for a reason. And yeah. they can handle one part per billion of lead pretty darn effectively. That's right. And, and if sometimes you drink 10, yeah, fine, whatever. But if on a regular basis you're drinking 100, your IQ will go down. And this is shown. Like I wrote about this in my first book about pregnancy, especially for pregnant women and for babies. Like this is lifelong decline. Like these are, these are people who are not going to function as human beings, as they were capable of because of these environmental things. And then to just dismiss that stuff kind of makes me mad. And there are also some very strategic things that you can do. For example, uh, juicing. If you, mm-hmm. Remember, if you're juicing, you are separating the water and the water-soluble nutrients from the fiber of the, of the fruits and vegetables. Now, if you're juicing conventionally grown, pesticide-laden fruits and vegetables, what are you doing? You're removing the fiber that actually binds up with those things. You're giving yourself a poison cocktail if you're juicing pesticide-laden fruits and vegetables. 
the fiber actually is a protection from those things. Fiber binds with those things and carries it through your body and, and you pass it out. But if you're juicing organic fruits and vegetables that don't have the pesticides, then you're doing good because you're getting the higher absorbability, the higher bioavailability of the nutrients that are water-soluble. So I, I wrote an article about this the other day and, and people were freaking out. People were saying, oh my God, I've been juicing you know, conventional celery because it was cheaper. And I tell them, you're poisoning yourself. Juice it, organic only. Yeah, it, it's really, really important. I, I, I try to, in fact, I'll, that's kind of a weasel word. I have a whole blog post about how trying is, is not what you <laughs> want to do. So let me put that more accurately. Uh, the only time that I eat non-organic produce is when I'm traveling and I'm at a hotel. Because they never serve organic vegetables at hotels. And if they do, you get like a tablespoon of organic vegetable. And it's like, no. I wanted a plate of organic vegetables, guys, like enough to actually like fuel my body. Like I didn't want a decorative amount of vegetable. So sometimes I eat non-organic there, but at home, everything is grown right there. Like literally all the vegetables we need for a year grow in an organic uh, permaculture sort of uh, semi-biodynamic garden in that I haven't buried that's like awesome. pig's heads full of manure. That seemed like a little bit of work, but that's part of the biodynamic thing. Like on a full moon, you bury... What? <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. That was that was exactly my response. I'm like, it's just like organic and permaculture, but whatever. Uh, okay, but, I've never heard that part of permaculture. <laughs> oh no, that's not. But uh, biodynamic, literally, you yeah, have I've to heard plant. Of biodynamic, and, yeah. yeah, there's weird ritualistic stuff that I was like, that's too much work, and I don't know, 200 year old okay. Swedish guys. <laughs> but I did look into what they ask you to do, and some of the wineries that are biodynamic actually do the full thing to be biodynamic certified, which means there's somewhere there's like a cow's head full of manure to bless the soil and just weird stuff. Not, wow. not my deal. But uh, what I'm saying there is, is that I have control here. I, I live on an organic farm. That's great. Most people don't have that level of control. So if you're going to eat non-organic vegetables, there's lists out there. Environmental Working Group has one about the least contaminated vegetables. And then you actually... This, this is going to be, be shocking. Like you said, don't juice those ones. Don't concentrate those ones. Just eat them because it's what, what was within reach for you. And don't right. eat the real toxic ones. It, it, it's one of the things. You're not perfect. You weren't trying to be perfect. You were just like taking your risk level that was up here and you're pulling it down to here. And you're being for smart. An, for another $10,000, you probably could have brought it down another 20%. But that was too much money and it didn't make sense. And it wasn't necessary because your kidneys and liver can handle the burden you put in. But I, I don't think that, that this is talked about, and even most of the, the paleo and most of the health awareness websites, it's, it's just not sexy to talk about harm reduction, and that's really what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. And, and remember that you know, paleo diets or sometimes gluten-free diets will focus so much on just the gluten-free yeah. that they forget a lot of processed gluten-free foods are full of pesticides because right. they're not organic or... Uh, so I've seen more now that are non-GMO project verified, but there are right. a lot that are full of GMOs and they're gluten-free, you know? So you, it's, it's almost like distraction. If you get distracted into one little thing, oh, it can't have gluten in it, then you forget about all these other things that may be more important. I've got a theory. I haven't proven it yet, but I think that, that the reason gluten is, is causing problems with so many people is because a lot of the wheat is being sprayed with glyphosate. Oh, absolutely. That's a part of the equation. And uh, I, I've been looking at that quite a bit, and I do not react the same way to European wheat where it's not sprayed. Yep. A side effect of spraying glyphosate on wheat is that the soil fungus that's always present in wheat and other crops like that, it makes about 100 times more mycotoxin. 
So you can actually get a mycotoxin map of the US and a map of Europe and Africa, and they're very different. So one of the reasons people on paleo do better is they're eliminating some of the glyphosate that, that would have been in the food, but they're also eliminating all of the soil fungus that would have put toxins into the grains. Yes. A, a lot of like the gut disturbance stuff is directly correlated with those things. And when you look at all that, I'm like, well, why do ranchers test for this? Because animals either get fat or don't get fat when they get the wrong fungus in their food. I'm like, I think it's true for me as well. Uh, but the interaction between spraying an antibiotic like glyphosate on our soil and on our food that directly affects the plant metabolism and then messes with us, I'm, I'm offended by it, but I won't touch that stuff. You know, we've, we've been doing some research into looking at quantitating glyphosate. It's fascinating. The, Are you going to publish? Uh, yeah. Oh, Sometime this year my, we will publish. And we're going legit. to test off-the-shelf foods for glyphosate. That molecule is, is devious. It's absolutely devious. It's a small, uh, tiny molecule that can really penetrate everything. That's why it permeates cell membranes. And they mix with, when it's sold as, a, as an herbicide, it's mixed with penetrant chemicals that don't have to be listed on the label by yeah. law in America anyway. And then it goes through the food. So you can't wash it off the food. It's in the food. It's in the grain. It's in every section of the food. But what's interesting is countries like Taiwan and the European Union especially have set limits on glyphosate contamination in foods of 0.1 parts per million. Uh, Taiwan, in fact, recently rejected, I think, 60,000 kilos of Quaker Oats oatmeal <laughs> because it had more than 0.1 parts per million glyphosate. In America, the EPA, which is, in my opinion, essentially run by Monsanto at this point, run by the polluters, the EPA set that level 300 times higher, 30 parts per million. And they changed it about 18 months ago. Wow. They raised it by a factor of 20. So Taiwan says these oats are unsafe for human consumption. The EPA says, eat all you want. So, you know, you mentioned some of my work is controversial. Yeah, the government doesn't like my work because I'm <laughs> exposing their lies yeah. and I'm going to keep exposing them. I, I support that mission 100%. And I've, I've taken a lot of flack in the coffee business because there are government standards in Europe and China. China has standards for the stuff. In Japan, the U.S. has zero standards. So, like, yeah. I, have, I have a former president of the Specialty Coffee Association on video saying, yeah, I was in Japan when the trade minister rejected, there was like 100 containers of moldy coffee. I'm like, what happened to it? He goes, well, we sent it to the U.S. Yeah, right. And it's like, and, but it's all a big hoax or whatever. I'm like, okay, this is the world I live in where most governments have, have limits, and the, the limits are either... Uh, a farce like they are for glyphosate in the U.S., or they just don't exist. And then we do get stuff that isn't approved in other countries, and it is lower quality, and it does affect the quality of our existence. Like it, it's Let me just say how it is. This way, the U.S. is the dumping ground for the most contaminated foods <laughs> and dietary supplements that are banned everywhere else in the world. I'm not kidding. I'm not even kidding. The U.S. is the dumping ground. If you look at pesticide limits and heavy metals limits across Europe and in places like Taiwan, China, like you mentioned, Japan, Korea, they are so much tighter and safer. Yeah. Everything that doesn't pass there gets thrown back to the U.S. and then it gets sold you know, online. Amazon.com will sell you anything with anything in it. They, they don't test anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not to single out Amazon. It's true everywhere, all the retailers. So you know, kudos to you for testing your product. And I, th I think 
you're at the leading edge of this because people demand transparency. Yeah, and and it's it's actually important across all of the food in that how you feel is determined by your food. And, and my next book is is about okay, what's happening in in the way your body makes energy in your mitochondria because a lot of these compounds, especially the heavy metals that that are in water and in all these foods, they slow down your ability to make the electrons that power you. Like like we're all batteries at a certain point. I I like that that line from The Matrix uh, where they're sitting in the back of the car and, and one of the characters whose name I already forget uh, looks at looks at uh, Neo and says, uh, "Shut up, copper top." As yeah, in, like you're top. just a battery, right? And when you look at us, that's what we are. And, and if you have a battery which has a mix of metals, then you put the wrong metals in there, it doesn't work. And I, that's, that's right. happening in our brains. So if you're feeling stupid, it might be the water you drank, it might be the food you ate. And that's a great explanation. Uh, heavy metals interfere with healthy minerals. Yeah, uh, they they will bind to the same receptor sites, but then they will block the catalyst reactions that promote cellular balance, health, energy, everything. Like you said, in the mitochondria, you know, a lot of metals like, like mercury will go to the sites where zinc is supposed to go. But there's also good news in that, that if you take more zinc, you can displace dietary mercury yes. and, and prevent the harm of mercury. And this is, this is another fascinating theory. Why are some children harmed by heavy metals more than others? And the answer is that their diets, I think, their diets so lack basic nutrition that, that they, they don't have any defenses against mercury or lead in the water or cadmium or what have you. So it's the most vulnerable in society who are then just, there's a tipping point of exposure and they're very, you know, they can be harmed very easily. But a healthy person who has a good organic diet, lots of minerals, lots of good nutrition, high vitamin D from being outside, having some mm -hmm. sunlight. That person can actually survive far higher exposures and come out healthy with no damage, believe it or not. Uh, it, it's totally true. And, and there's a question on, on genetics, on methylation, uh, whether you're good at excreting metals. I'm not. I had high mercury and high lead uh, going back really? about 14, 15 years ago. I had really, in fact, I wasn't even, uh, I wasn't quite 30. And they're like, you're very high risk of stroke and, and heart disease my blood would coagulate within 10 seconds of leaving my body. So I had like super sticky blood. And wow. uh, I had to go through like a full lead and mercury chelation therapy uh, as wow. part of getting my brain back. So like, like this is kind of personal for me. So let, let's talk about what you found in all these, these water samples from around the country that people sent in. Uh, consistently, we okay. found about 2% of the samples from water supplies all across America violate EPA standards. Uh, with either copper or lead. So this is what's interesting. We didn't find mercury in any sample in any quantity, not even a single part per billion. Now, I know why that is. In the lab, we call mercury a sticky element. It sticks yeah. to everything. I was going to say that has to be a lab, a lab issue, or do you think it's just a pipe issue? It's a pipe issue. The, okay. the mercury will, will stick to everything. I mean, mercury is easy to filter out of things with any yeah. kind of physical matter or carbon, you know, yeah, simple. carbon. But lead is not very well filtered out by carbon alone. You have to have an ion exchange resin or calcium or other kinds of things, or different forms of calcium. So there's high lead in some water, and then there's copper. Now, copper, my theory is that it's the copper pipes that terminate at people's individual yeah. homes or businesses or you know hospitals. We found some pretty scary water going into VA hospitals in, uh, on the East Coast in America, which 
may not surprise anyone if you know anything about the VA hospital system. But the bottom line is 98% of the water samples were, were clean, uh, were below EPA limits. So that's kind of good news. But that's then actually there's great 2%. News. Yeah. yeah. I, I was actually a little surprised at that. <laughs> but then there's 2%. That's pretty toxic. And some of them were over 500% higher than the limit. So how do you know if you're living in the 98% or the 2%? And, That's and the question. How, how do you know that the limit is actually set for, for human performance, human health? The limits are set for economic viability. And there's always chlorine, which some of, some of which I'm guessing wasn't present when you got it because it, it evaporates from the water, right? No, we, we just haven't done the chlorine test yet. We've got okay. another instrument. Actually, this one right here is for fluorides, chlorides, iodides, those the anions. Like yeah, okay. right. Uh, we, we just haven't got the testing done yet. And what about chloramine? Do you test for that? We can test for that on our mass spec system, another instrument. Uh, it's a more complex molecule. Uh, it's, it's on our list, but actually the next thing we're going to test for okay. is pesticides. Beautiful. So we want to look at pesticide content in the municipal water. Everybody sent us enough water to run multiple tests. So that's awesome. We, we told people we're going to test for lead. We didn't really say we're also going to test for the other things. But then when we got it, we were like, hey, let's test for these other things too. So everybody's pretty happy about that. Uh, it, it, it's going to be groundbreaking. I mean, you've got a sample size thing where you know, like, like the selection isn't necessarily random. And I think there's a lot of question about, okay, what's going on in the pipe between the main water line and the house? And then what's going on in the... the plumbing in the house. It's kind of astounding how bad some plumbing is. Yeah. Um, what, what I've always done, jeez, uh, for a very long time, is installed a whole house uh, filter uh, where I put in like a, a giant, usually a particle filter, and then a giant activated charcoal filter at a minimum. And uh, for drinking, I usually use reverse osmosis and uh, here I have an, an ion exchange. I have well water, which is very clean. I live on an island, which, which is cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm using a very deep aquifer. So I could drink straight out of the well, but I filter the crap out of it. And what comes out is, is very, very clean and, and pH entirely neutral. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what did, I mean, you've tested some water filters as well. What do you, what do you find? I mean, I, I've seen all sorts of, of, different approaches to, we'll say, approaches for renters. Because I've rented quite a lot in the Bay Area because buying houses there is crazy. And you're not allowed to drill a hole in the sink, uh, but I might have done that once or twice <laughs> to, to mount my own. I'm like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pay a $100 fine. <laughs> uh, so like, like what, what do you find uh, when you test the, the non-installed filters? I, I did a, an extensive test on the, the standalone filters, so non-electric gravity filters, such as Big Berkey and ProPure mm -hmm. and some of the others, and the kind of cheap low-end ones like uh, Brita and what have you. For, you, know, you can buy them at Walmart. Right. And then I also tested some, some that require electricity, like the AquaTrue, which you plug in. It's got its own pump. But it's still standalone. You don't have to install it into mm -hmm. your plumbing. So to do this, I created a chemical cocktail. And, uh, for example, um, like right here in our fume hood, we have heavy metal standards that we use to make external standards for testing. So we have lead and cadmium and arsenic on all these things in separate bottles. And so I, 
I just combined all those and I created this highly toxic a smoothie. Um, yeah, exactly. And then I did uh, an ICPMS test of that liquid to get the exact elemental concentrations of that liquid as a starting point. So that's our starting point. Then I took that liquid and I poured a large amount into each filter. And I let each filter do its filtration, some by gravity, which takes hours, and you know, some by electricity and so on. And then I took the resulting water and I tested it again via ICPMS. And then I calculated the percent removal of each element. So those results have been published for free uh, at waterfilterlabs.com, uh, except the AquaTrue is not on there because I did that later. But what I found is there's really only a few filters that do a good job. That the, the sort of cheap low-end filters that you buy you know, from Walmart, the water goes through them very quickly. So they seem, well, they're fast. Hey, they're filtering fast. Well, they're not filtering very much. They're not removing much. Some of them only remove 20% of the lead which but, isn't but they, really worth they, filtering. They are getting out the chlorine, which is of benefit. It's just That's not true. as it's not nearly as important as the metals, uh, but at least it's a move in the right direction. It's just not it provides an optical feeling of doing good, but you're actually not getting the real benefits of water filtration. But at the same time these are are removing the chlorine, they're probably adding BPA from the plastic <laughs> vessel, you know. <laughs> good point. <laughs> so the, the, the net effect is really uh, in question. Um, the, in terms of gravity filters, which, again, are non-electric, uh, actually the big Berkey did the best when it has the, the arsenic uh, fluoride removal add-on filters attached. And mm-hmm. it did better than 99%. I think it was 99.9-something percent of lead removal, and, you know, all the elements across the board. In terms of electric ones, the, the AquaTrue filter did really, really, really well. As good as the big Berkey, but faster. So uh, because it has a pump and it has its own reverse osmosis system, it filters the water very quickly, just in seconds or maybe a minute. Whereas something like the big Berkey or ProPure Pro takes you know hours. Uh, the advantage, though, of the big Berkey is if there's a power grid failure and you're in you know, survival mode, you don't have electricity, so you've got that gravity filter. So um, here in the lab, what, we use the AquaTrue now for our own drinking water because it's fast. So, but at home, I have a, a big Berkey for emergency preparedness. So that, that's my conclusion. The results speak for themselves. Um, I, uh, I have not a big Berkey. I have the filter cartridge from Big Berkey and two buckets and a gasket <laughs> in case right there's on. an emergency. That's but all that's, it takes. <laughs> that's the... Uh, uh, the earthquake preparedness kit from California, basically, even though I, I live in a place, I guess we get earthquakes up here, but I, I live in a rainforest and I have uh, like water, uh, I have a pond on the property. So it's not like I can't just go get water and boil it. But That's awesome. And, and by the way, realize that probably 90% of the people living in America or Canada today are living in areas where they don't know where to find water. Yeah, that's a really good point. You get people who have you know, a map of springs, but I can tell you if there's no electricity for a few weeks, <laughs> you don't want to go to any of those springs because they will be either dry or have people camped at them. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah. There will be a toll involved in <laughs> getting spring water at that point. That's well said. Well, you're, I mean, some of the content that you work on is a little bit, uh, a little bit prepper-oriented. We'll just put it that way. Yep. Uh, 
What, what's your take on all that? Like how, how important to people listening to that? The Bulletproof audience, I'm, I know that there are, are some people who are really into preparedness. Uh, I, I've done my you know, urban escape and evasion course and like I know how to take care of myself, uh, but I don't spend probably as much time thinking about those things as you do. So what, what's, your take on, uh, what's your take on that? Like, like how, how concerned should people be? Well, thank you for asking that, by the way. Um, I always appreciate rational discussions about this point. I think that human society as it exists today is very vulnerable, far more vulnerable than people realize. And it's because I've studied history. I've looked at the collapse <laughs> of civilizations. I've seen the cycles of history. And I understand human psychology to some extent. I also, as a scientist, I look at how we are systematically destroying the very systems that are required to sustain human life. Uh, the ocean ecosystems, yeah. fishing populations are collapsing. The contamination of the soils and you gotta, we got to have a talk one day about biosludge and biosolids because we are taking human waste and industrial waste, concentrating them, calling it, labeling it organic fertilizer, and selling it to be put back on the farms. And yeah. I have, I've got 10 samples of biosludge right over there. They are the most toxic, deadly combination of poison cocktails and heavy metals that you've ever seen. And we're putting it all over our land. So humanity... And I say this openly with no apology. Humanity as it operates today is suicidal. I don't mean every person is suicidal. Many of us are survivalists. Many of us are preppers. We want humanity to succeed. We want to come out on the other side, right? We want to have a future. But as a whole, the way we operate with the, the corporations and the governments working in collusion to you know, cover up all these, these poisons that are happening, that is suicidal. So... I understand that, that societies are fragile and they can, they can fail in systemic ways that are uh, unexpected and inadvertent, right? It's the, the law of unintended consequences. What happens when you collapse the ocean ecosystems? How does that affect us? Or what happens when you, you put lead poisoning and chemical poisoning on farmlands all across America? What happens? You know, give it a generation. We'll find out. But I don't think it's a pretty picture. It's funny that you said give it a generation because I used to be concerned. You know, twenty years ago, I, I did my environmental studies courses in college, and like, oh, the global population problem—that's a short-term issue. Uh, global fertility rates. And I, my first book was like, my, my wife was infertile when I met her. Like, we have two kids now. We used like food and nutrition to restore fertility. And I studied epigenetics uh, quite a lot. I, I looked at thirteen hundred studies to figure out how to how to turn stuff back on and, and spent almost five years putting together that, the book about it. And I'm not concerned about, about global population problems because we've destroyed our soil and our oceans and we polluted everything. It's one in eight couples in the U.S. today in normal uh, child-rearing age can't get pregnant when they want to. And it's getting worse year by year. So what's happening here is... is Basically, our species can't reproduce very well. So in another couple generations, IQs will keep going down, not up, because of this stuff. And mutation rates will go up. So the thing is, though, well, most of us, unless we're like super anti-Asian people like me, we probably won't be around to see it. <laughs> but it's, it's not going to be a problem of too many people. It'll be a problem of too many healthy people. Uh, well, you, you make some really good points there. Uh, but one in particular that I want to address is the transgenerational effects of what yeah. we're doing today. Uh, I've said this publicly before, it's already too late 
for most of humanity because the chemical exposure has now been built into the women who, as they are pregnant with a, a female, a, a daughter, you know, that the, the mother's body is building not only the body of the daughter, but the eggs that are, that, that daughter is born with. Right. So, uh, a, a, a girl, a baby girl is born with the, with eggs yeah. in her body. It, it's what your which, grandmother ate that determines that. Exactly. Exactly. So today, the women, what they're eating, what they're exposed to, the chemicals, the poisons, the heavy metals, the glyphosate, that is already impacting two generations down the road right now. You can't change that. Uh, you, you have to wait for that to play out for two generations before you even know the infertility rates, the mutation rates, the cognitive decline rates, all, all of these things. We are past the tipping point, in my opinion. I know that sound, sounds kind of doomsday, but uh, I'm... Long term, I'm an optimist, and here's why. There are sectors of humanity, people like you, actually, who grow your own food you, or, or you source clean food. You, you strive to live a clean lifestyle. You literally are the future of the human race. People like you. People, the, the, the because you're the only I, ones who will be fertile. <laughs> the good thing is I've already reproduced. I spend way too much time <laughs> on airplanes to have any business reproducing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like I, I travel, you know, a, a hundred plus days a year. Wow. Uh, I, That's amazing. I mean, I, if, if you're, if you're going to have a big impact, like sometimes you have to be in the right place at the right time, right? Uh, I guess and, so, yeah. And that means, uh, good God, the amount of radiation and, and toxins and all that stuff that happened just on airplanes, the flame retardants they spray on there, the pesticides, <laughs> endocrine disruptors, horrible, like toxic junk lighting, which is Do now affecting the tray fertility. tables. Oh, I totally, I just rubbed myself all over the tray tables. <laughs> Those are the cleanest parts of the airplane, the tray tables, by the exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I look at that, but the thing is, when you build a resilient system, you can take a hit, and I use my own products to help me detox from flying. I use the biohacking methods I give away for free to reduce the damage, but I'm still taking some damage from that. Uh, but I, I believe I can outrun that to the best of my ability. And if you I can. don't, if I don't, I'll die. I'm like, I was going to die anyway. Like, I'm pretty you sure. You know what? <laughs> Your healthy lifestyle, I mean, the radiation that you get from flying on an airplane is inconsequential compared to the, the genetic repair capabilities that are unleashed by the nutrients that are in your own products that you're taking. So You, you called you know, it. <laughs> it's, it's like a thousand to one. I mean, you could, get, you could get a lot more radiation and have no problem. I, I'm just laughing because... Uh, as I do more research on like like very detailed mitochondrial biochemistry, uh, one of the things I just added uh, in in the last couple of weeks to to my recommendations, I haven't even published this yet. It turns out that nicotine, not smoking, smoking is bad for you, but nicotine as a a microdosing kind of substance radically reduces uh, free radical formation uh, for in the mitochondria. So like if you're going to be flying when your mitochondria are basically exposed to a lot of that stuff. <laughs> Maybe a small dose of nicotine that makes you feel good anyway uh, when you fly means that when you land, you'll have more intact mitochondria than you did before. And like, that's so politically incorrect, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, you make a good point. You know, right now in our lab here, we're looking at CBDs uh, from, from hemp. I'm not an advocate of smoking hemp. You, yeah, you smoke anything, that's carcinogenic from yeah. the smoke. But as a liquid supplement, uh, CBDs are extremely therapeutic. You know, uh, nicotine may be another example. Plants synthesize powerful, miraculous medicines. Mm -hmm. And if, if you understand how those work and you can uh, incorporate them into your diet, then they can have amazing effects. Like, like, look at this smoothie. 
I blend in mm. turmeric every day into my, my breakfast smoothie. So I've got a big heaping spoon of turmeric in here. Why? Why would I put turmeric with avocados? Uh, <laughs> it's very good reason. <laughs> yeah, very good reason, yeah. The turmeric, you know, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, boosts cognitive function, prevents dementia, prevents Alzheimer's. You know, there's a reason why people like you and, and your viewers and listeners who, who follow a high-nutrient lifestyle and a superfoods lifestyle, there's a reason why they are smarter, they are more adaptable, they are more emotionally capable of handling the world. You know what I'm talking about? Emotional resilience mm-hmm. is, comes from superfoods. I don't think I could live in our world today because it's so crazy if I didn't have superfoods to back me up. Seriously. It, I, it, it's totally true. And, and some of the stuff you're, you're talking about there, like, um, like turmeric, it, it boosts a, a compound called NRF2 in the brain. It boosts something called BDNF. And these are repair enzymes and enzymes that make your brain grow more interconnected neurons. They're literally nature's smart drugs. These are the long-acting yep. smart drugs, not the short-acting smart drugs like caffeine. But when you look at that and, and you, you compare that to a, a typical healthy breakfast, which is you know, avocado toast, and you're like, like the, I'm sorry, like that is not going to get you through the morning. It's not going to uh, activate all the systems in your body that, that you're capable of activating. So I, I'm happy to share that information. The problem is that a lot of people just... They look at that, they either say it's too hard, uh, or they say, I, I don't know if it's really going to make a difference, or they say it's too expensive. And what, what do you say to those objections? It's too hard, it's too expensive, or maybe it won't work? Uh, well, I grow turmeric, and so it's free. <laughs> and if you've got dirt, or maybe you know, if you're living in an area that's too cold, you know, in a little mm-hmm. greenhouse, you can grow your turmeric for free. Um, what's expensive is being sick. You know, what's expensive is, is hospital bills and pharmaceuticals. What's expensive is losing 10 years of your life, not having that time with your family or not having that time yeah. to contribute to society. That's expensive. The cost of feeling shitty all the time, that's an infinite cost because yep. like you're, you're walking around every day and you know you're running at just a fraction of what you're capable of and everything takes a lot of effort. I, that's why when someone says, oh, it, it, it's too expensive, like, well... Okay, where else are you spending money? Like, how much do you spend at the bar every week? Like, take that and spend it on quality food, and suddenly it's not expensive at all. Don't go to restaurants as often. By the way, I run a restaurant, so don't go to my restaurant, although you'll find I have good prices there uh, compared to the food quality. Whatever. Like, cook at home, and if, if you really are on a budget like college students are, you can still eat a diet that's 80% better for the same cost that you're doing today. It's always possible. Well, I like to tell people what... What could be possible in your life if your brain functioned just 25% better? <laughs> what could you achieve? You know, there's that, that movie, I forgot the name of it, where the guy Limitless. takes this, yeah, Limitless, yeah. takes the pill, becomes super genius, everything's possible. Well, that's an exaggeration, of course, but superfoods are on that spectrum. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that I could not have run this lab and mastered this analytical instrumentation. I mean, this is, this is a PhD level work. People tell me that all the time. How do you not have a PhD? How can you do this? Everybody yeah. else has a PhD. And I say, it's superfoods. I'm, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I learned organic chemistry. I learned instrumentation. I could not do it living on junk food. No way. Yeah. It's impossible. You know, you're, everybody is born a genius, I believe. Everybody has a brain that is capable of almost unlimited creativity and innovation. And yet from the day we're born in most families that are feeding junk food to their kids and, uh, you know, what, infant infant formula with f- high fructose corn syrup, 
they are dumbing down their children yeah. from day one. So by the time they, they somehow make it through school or somehow make it through college, they are a fraction cognitively of what, what could be. But you can turn that around with superfoods. So I, I believe that everybody can be more cognitively capable than they are now. Everybody can improve that through nutrition. Everybody. You can, and you have the most leverage starting early on. The, we're going back to, to something we talked about a little bit earlier. When, when you have glyphosate or just bad fats, you've been eating the wrong oils, and they've gone into your cell membranes. They're throughout your body. Every cell is surrounded by little droplets of fat. It takes about 700 days to replace half of the fat in your body. So the half-life of fat and cell membranes is about two years. That's like, a long time for a half-life. Yeah. So what that means is that if today, say so you're, you're a woman thinking about having kids, if today you move to eating the right kinds of fats for having a, the right cellular biology, two years from now, you'll be pretty clean. <laughs> and then <laughs> you, uh, and by that point, you'll have stored extra DHA. Like one of the, the reason fertile women have hips and butts is they're storing one of the omega-3 fatty acids in their padding, and this is why the first child is usually the one with the highest IQ, because the woman's body will drain DHA to put it into the baby so the baby can actually have more intelligence. Or you could do the stuff that I wrote about in the book, like supplement with DHA and EPA, the other fish oil that you need, and put, put those into the body, because that actually can have such a, an effect. If you take too many of them, the baby's head will be too big and it won't come out, so you kind of have to time that right. But, okay, that's profound knowledge. And from then on, even the first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, you lose leverage on all of this. You want to do it to a baby when they're, they're nursing like you're talking about? You have so much leverage. Don't put crap in, in a baby. It's just not okay. And if you start eating crap when you're a teenager, great. You got all of that neurodevelopment, all that stuff. And better yet, you just eat a little crap when you're a teenager. It doesn't have to be perfect, right? And all of a sudden, what you're going to have is you're going to have a 40-year-old who's like, twice as healthy and performs well and has more energy and looks better and, and isn't getting diseases of aging because of what happened before he was born. That's yep. where the most leverage happens. And I, I, I wrote my first book about that. It wasn't the Bulletproof Diet. It was about babies because like, that's where it's easiest. Absolutely. Uh, prenatal nutrition is key. But also, and this, this is an area where I've been very outspoken, very critical, uh, drug companies have been trying to push antidepressants onto pregnant women. They've been trying to push chemotherapy onto pregnant women, which will, of course, destroy the, yeah. the developing child. They've been pushing flu shots, which contain mercury, onto pregnant women. You know, doctors that are retiring today, when they came through medical school many decades ago, they were always taught, don't vaccinate pregnant women because of the risk to the child. But today, they're just told, take the shots, take the chemo, take the antidepressant drugs, and it's toxic. If you do that, you're going to damage your child. It's good for business, though. I mean, if you can create a child with autoimmunity, you know, that the healthcare spend for that child is going to be so much higher. I, I mean, I, if, when you just think about it from a spreadsheet perspective, Mike, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, see, now you're starting to sound like me. Because I, I, I went to business I school. But it, here's the thing, though. I... I don't actually believe in most of the most of the time. I don't believe that there's an, an evil cabal of bad men doing that because even like the real dickheads, they <laughs> they're still human, right? At least most of them are. And the 
the problem though is that when you set up a, a complex system, and, and this is what my actual degree is in, is in decision support systems. It's a subset of artificial intelligence. Interesting. Um, I studied computer science, and like I, I used to run the web and internet engineering program at the University of California. Like, how do you control a system where you don't, you can't see everything, and you don't know everything because other people own parts of it, but you still have to make it do what you want? Because yeah. that would be like the body. So you, you dig in on this, and you get emergent behaviors. So when you repeat a, a, a small decision tens of billions of times, you get these complex systems. Like Stephen Wolfram proved this. Like all of these amazing life forms we have are the result of very simple rules repeated over and over and over. So what's happening in, in a case like that is, is it absolutely looks like that. But all it was was a bunch of bean counters and other, other good people working at a company made decisions to optimize uh, profit. Right. That's right. And all those micro decisions, when you add up the sum of them, tilt the system towards one that makes the most money. And here's the deal. You actually do make more money when you get people not well and not dead. Yep. Right? So that's the system we built. And it wasn't on purpose and it wasn't, you know, a bunch of bad people. And there are Rockefellers and people who said we should depopulate the earth and Kellogg's cornflakes were engineered to reduce testosterone so people wouldn't want to have sex so they'd be nicer people. All those things are true, but it's the emergent behaviors that really screw things up. And I don't know how to fix you, those, but we... You make like, a pretty... really good point. It, it is the structure <laughs> of the system. And this is one yeah. reason why I've, I've argued so strongly against the, the profit model of the disease care system. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. If you talk to individual uh, entrepreneurs inside Big Pharma, let's say, most of them are not evil. There are the Martin Screllies yeah. of the world who are yeah. like you know, Dr. Evil types, but <laughs> there are. most of them are not evil. Most of the doctors are not evil. I know a lot of doctors. Yeah. They want to help people. That's why they went to medical school. They're just mm -hmm. as frustrated as we are, by the way, uh, with the pill-pushing culture. Uh, most of the scientists are not evil. They're just trying to get by in a system that is mostly controlled by corporations and government. So you're right. The individuals are not evil. They exist in a system that prioritizes profit over humanity. Yeah. That's the problem. It, it, is, it is the problem. And uh, this is maybe three, four years ago. I went to this amazing conference at Stanford called the CASBS. And it's a conference on neuromarketing, which is kind of scary. But I, I do neurofeedback. I do this 40 years of Zen program with, with clients. And you measure human brainwaves. And what neuromarketers are doing is they're looking to see what advertising does to the human brain so they can be oh, more my. effective at it. Uh -oh. and, well, it, it's, it's good because we want to know how we respond. Like if you want to protect yourself, if you want to have like a built-in ad blocker in your head, then you need to understand what ads are doing to your head so you can, you can counteract it. So I'm at this conference, a couple hundred people, and, and there's just fascinating content. And I'm sitting next to the chief marketing officer for Monsanto. Right? Oh, and, really? and when he said that, I, I, looked, I was like, I was looking for horns. And I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't see any. He was actually a nice guy. Right. Well, and the horns come out at night. Um, <laughs> so you have to watch them. There later. were cloven hoof prints all over the place. I don't know. Yeah. No, <laughs> but but it, 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 he actually was a nice guy, and we, we chatted for a while. And I'm like, you know, that this must be uh, must be kind of a hard job, like managing <laughs> managing PR. <laughs> like like how could that not be hard? He goes, Oh no, I, I absolutely love my job. Like you know, we're we're feeding the world. Okay. I disagree respectfully with that perspective, but he didn't. Yeah. Like his assumption was that he was doing good. Like he, yeah. he's out to save the world, right? Well, and but ouch. Look, look at human history. Every <laughs> yeah. every, and I'm making this comparison, not you, but every evil regime. Uh, whether you know, you could even go back to Nazi Germany, the Third Reich. 
those people who were performing those functions believed scientifically that they were creating a master human race for the future of humanity. They had a belief that in their minds was positive. Those scientists right. thought they're going to save the world, and that's why they needed to invade the world was to bring order to Russia and bring order to France and bring order to the world so that they could create a superior society. Remember that Berlin in the 1930s was the center of scientific advancement of the world. Berlin was, the, was culturally advanced. It was the most progressive society, you could say, in the world at that time. And the people who, who carried out the Holocaust believed in their minds that they were performing wonderful, great acts for humanity. So self-delusion mm -hmm. can, is very easy for groups of humans to achieve under peer pressure and that, that peer confirmation. So that's what we're seeing, I think, in Monsanto. That's my opinion. I, I think there's some merit to that opinion. And, and there's, that's one of the reasons that, that, aside from just focusing on human performance, where I spend a lot of my time is on awareness and figuring out how you can generate self-awareness and awareness of what's around you. And I actually wanted to have you on the show because what you're doing with a lab that's behind you when people are watching on YouTube is you're generating awareness. Right, so yeah. we, we, we tell ourselves a story, oh, this is a beautiful superfood, it's going to make me feel good. But the actual, when you look at it <laughs> with open eyes, you're like, that superfood is contaminated in 16 different ways, and you probably ought not to put that in your body, even though the label says it's good for you. Right? Yeah. So one of those is based on, on objective reality, and the other one is based on the story we told ourselves. And I just realized that I was really good at telling myself a lot of stories, and when you have a lie detector hooked up to your head for 10 weeks of your life, you generate some level of self-awareness that you didn't have before. And, <laughs> uh, and, and that is the thing that is the cure for people who think they're saving the world when they're actually destroying it. And you know, they're doing evil and telling themselves that they're doing good. So, society, uh, people's belief systems and reality structures, their mental models of what they think the world is, is driven entirely by narrative. It's driven by stories. It's driven by yeah. myth. Uh, occasionally, myth intersects reality, <laughs> but often not. And this is one of the things that I've, that I've also really confirmed here in the lab. And like you, we all have to be very careful that we ourselves are not, we don't succumb to our own mythologies or narratives and that we check ourselves. And so, so science here in the lab is one of the ways that I can do that. I found products that are very, I'm not going to name names, so don't, mm -hmm. don't get concerned, but they're very flowery. They have sacred geometry on the label. They have, you know, flower of life. It's organic. It's better than organic. It's, I probably know what brand that is. I won't say anything. <laughs> yeah, and then I test it, and I find it's contaminated, and it's from China, and it's, you know, the label is the myth. The food is not what the label would imply. And so that's a great example. But these things are true throughout our lives. Even like look at economics and finance. We can tell ourselves as a narrative that uh, national debt doesn't matter, that we can print our way, we can print money and get our way out of, out of endless debt by growing the economy. Well, this is, a, this is a delusion because it's based on a model of endless economic growth and infinite resources which do not exist on a finite planet. Okay. So at some point, that myth collapses. That's when people, that's when the preparedness kicks in, in, in my opinion, and people say, nobody could have seen this coming. Of course they couldn't, because they were all telling themselves the same false narratives. And when it hits, 
when reality hits, it is, it's so psychologically shocking because it shatters the mythology that people had held on to for so long, for so long. Like, look at smoking and, and big tobacco. For so long, the Journal of the American Medical Association said smoking is good for you, improves your concentration, makes you a better person. You know, they ran ads. Doctors recommend camels more than any other cigarette. This was a narrative. <laughs> when it was shattered, people's lives were just utterly, you know, what, cancer, heart disease? Are you kidding me? We were told this was good for us. So it, it's just another example. It is. Well, we're coming up on the end of the, on the, end of the show, and uh, I think we talked about all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, uh, Brock here in the studio just told me that we actually have a, a code for AquaTrue, the, the uh, reverse osmosis countertop filter. And so it, Bulletproof is not an infomercial, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with, uh, with listeners. And if you guys want to get a countertop RO unit, I, I have one. Uh, it's, it's a really good, convenient, portable thing. You don't have to use this code. If you do, if you do or don't, it's not going to change my life. It helps to support Bulletproof Radio a little bit, but do not feel obligated. But if you want to save 100 bucks, you could use it. Uh, AquaTrueWater.com, and the code is, check this out, 100. Just 100. <laughs> Easy code, so save 100 bucks. Thanks for listening to Bulletproof Radio on that one. If you wanted a good RO unit, Mike has tested it which is one of the reasons I'm willing to recommend it. Uh, so aquatruewater.com, the code is 100, and some fraction of that goes to Bulletproof. But uh, you can also just go there without the code, and it's really okay. <laughs> um, now, that was the AquaTrue thing, and thank you for just doing the testing on that. What I wanted to ask you was, I think you have an unusual answer. It's a question I've asked everyone on Bulletproof Radio, and we're past 300 episodes now, so, so wow. it's, it, it's interesting. Great. If someone came to you tomorrow and said, look, based on everything you've learned in your life, what would you tell me if I wanted to perform better at everything I do as a human being? So I want to kick more ass at everything in my life. What are the three most important things that are going to make me do that? Well, number one, realize what you are. You are a combination of a physical being, a chemical and physiological being, and a spiritual being in my belief. You are all three. So one of the big mistakes people make, some people just focus on the spiritual. They just do meditation. They just do you know, whatever is their spiritual practice. They forget about the nutrition. They forget about the, the, the chemistry of what's happening. So, so that's step one. Realize what you are. Okay. Number two, realize that everything that happens in your brain, which is every conscious thought that you have, every decision that you make, is filtered through the functioning of your physical brain organ, which interfaces with, with your non-physical conscious mind and is affected by toxin exposure or lack thereof. <laughs> if you have a distorted exposure to the environment, if you are full of chemicals, you will have a distorted consciousness. You will have distorted decisions. You will have distorted learning or memory or lack thereof. And then uh, number three, I would say, realize that to, in my opinion, I, I hope I don't get too, too into the spirit world for you here. Whatever you want to say, I, you go as deep as you want to go. My opinion, my experience is that this reality, this very short life that we all live is, is nothing but a test. It's a simulation, if you will, for us. We, our, our conscious mind inhabits this physical body for some very, very short period of time in the history of humanity or the history of the world. We have a very short period of time to make an impact, to 
to do something that may contribute to future generations, to, to protecting life, to expanding human knowledge, to inspiring others, something that matters. You only have a very short period of time to do it. Get off your fucking greed and your, <laughs> your personal self-interest. You know, get past that and do something to make a better world because you live in a world where people before you, many people did something that gave you this opportunity, this world where you have access to the most amazing superfoods possible, the most amazing nutrition, the most amazing knowledge bases of human knowledge, the most amazing interconnectivity from the internet and, and, and the videos and social media. Do something with it. <laughs> that's, that's my message. Do something with it. I love it. Mike, where can people find out more about your labs and about your content and all that kind of stuff? I know you're at naturalnews.com and you got a bunch of other URLs. Uh, tell, tell people where to go to find out more. Well, my lab is cwclabs.com. Uh, the, the journal where we publish, again, is naturalsciencejournal.com, an open source science journal. Daily News is at naturalnews.com. And uh, if anybody cares to hear my podcast from time to time, uh, healthrangerreport.com. And I... I guarantee you, they're all controversial. Every one of them. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't pull any punches. And uh, no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Life is too short for that. I, I uh, see, I, like I you, I, I, I really what what people think of what I do doesn't matter. What matters <laughs> is what is a higher calling to do something that is important. And a lot of times, the social pressures contradict the things that need to be done. Yeah. There's a great quote, and I'm pretty sure it's Helen Keller, but I, I need to find out who it's from. But it, it says, what people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I like that quote. I like yeah, that. Like, you're going to do the right thing. And if people don't like it, whatever, they don't have to use it. So That's I, right. I agree with That's you right. And you, know, you also got to realize you're living in a world, if, if you're into nutrition and healthy eating, you're living in a world where most other people are, are at some degree mentally ill because they are poisoned. It, it's, wow, that, it's that's a strong true. statement. That, that might be a little slower. And mentally ill is a pretty strong statement there. Uh, well, you, it just you depends just on how little, you define yeah, it. That's a fair point. But uh, <laughs> there are definitely people who could perform a lot better than they are now who have less emotional regulation than they would like. Uh, in fact, I certainly was in that camp for a while, but I don't well, think I'm there anymore. That's the thing. We want to help people heal. You know, uh, the good news is you can, you can come out of distortion or mental illness or cognitive uh, problems and you can heal. And that's, that's our real message. I mean, I know sometimes the things I say sound kind of coarse uh, or blunt. Yeah. So what? Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not your your fairy godmother here. You know, I, I, I'm. My job is to give you the information. Do what you want with it. You know, it's a free I, world. I think that'll be our tweet for this episode. I'm not your fairy godmother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, Mike. Th- thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. Have an awesome day. Uh, enjoy your mass spectrometer. I, I'm a little jealous. I've always wanted my own mass spec, but you actually did it. So kudos, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for for the the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Get tons more original info to make it easier to kick more asset life when you sign up with a free newsletter at bulletproofexact.com and stay bulletproof. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. 
The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.